Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 454 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And we welcome you into our deep dive episode for this, I guess we'll call it a fortnight because we only do deep dives every two weeks. But, uh, of course, we have episodes much more frequently with that. And we hope you tune into all of them because hopefully they're all at least a little bit informational and at least mildly entertaining. But before we get into our topic for this evening, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves for the on assignment Cheryl W5MOO. I'm Russ K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And Bill is going to be carrying this episode. <laughs> so I, I hope you're ready. I hope you're uh, pleasantly buzzing and uh, can talk. I'm definitely buzzed. Oh, good. And you can talk at length about this topic because I have only experienced it for the last two hours or so. And the, I was trying to do something that it probably wasn't designed to do, and it didn't work. So uh, let's talk about it. And, um you know, I don't know how we keep coming up to these topics that are Windows related on this Linux <laughs> podcast of ours, but yeah, it's it's whatever. Did, did I didn't even check the license file? Is this, is this open source? I didn't even look either. That's a good thing for you to research while we're talking about the intro of it. But you know, I really thought that this episode was uh, the uh, the whiskey and gin review episode because that's surely where the the mind state of myself is in. <laughs> but uh yeah tonight we're uh we're going to be talking about bottles and uh i mean i don't know about your news feed but my news feed has been hit at least twice with this particular application which uh apparently is uh kind of an easy well it's sold as an easy way to get windows applications to run on your linux desktop computer and uh i at least it piqued my interest because i heard bottles and it reminded me of the Code Weaver's uh, uh, Linux term of bottles for their little instances of wine wrapping and stuff like that. And I thought, uh, you know, it was the same thing. And you did mention to me that, you know, we've already talked about bottles a million times. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, that was the Code Weaver's bottles because that's what they call them. But this is actually a totally separate application called Bottles. Uh, by itself, and uh, you can find it at uh, usebottles.com. Um, it was just highlighted a couple times, probably on its Foss and a couple other news sites. So I'm not sure what has piqued everybody's interest in this. Um, but yeah, that'll be the topic for tonight. And did you find a license file? Uh, I did, GPLv3. Okay, so it's GPLv3. So this is, and as I just closed everything out of my computer here, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk 
quickly about the uh, the FAQ, which basically describes what Bottles is, which in theory should be different than everything else. Uh, but anyway, Bottles. What is Bottles? Bottles was born in 2017 as a personal need. So this is definitely from the FAQ, not my world, not my words. Uh, so all the eyes are not me. It's actually the author that you can find on their, their website. Uh, Bottles was born in 2017 as a personal need. I needed a practical way to manage my wine prefixes. I hate the idea of using applications that install me with a version of wine for each application, and I decided to create this application based on the concept of using one or more wine prefixes as a container for all of my applications. In 2020, thanks to Valve, we have access to Proton, an optimized version of wine for gaming, Thanks also to other projects like DXVK, VK3D3D, of course, those are Vulcan drivers, uh, eSync, FSync, and Shader compiler, and others. We can run a large set of video games designed for Windows on Linux. The idea of creating an environment based on Wine Prefix Manager comes from the standardization of dependencies and parameters necessary to run a game. On the other hand, we have software, often not up to date, that require environments and configurations different from those used in gaming, hence the idea of managing separate environments. So this should sound very familiar to you um, if you've messed around with any anything with Wine. And we just talked about Wine. What They just released version 7.0, I believe, uh, what, in the last couple of weeks. We had that on the podcast uh, as a flash topic right in our short topic show so uh so yeah wine is constantly being updated and uh, always getting better and better and of course wine is not an emulator that's basically what wine stands for right <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it still is it's an emulator <laughs> it's it's yes yeah, it's, it's, um, it's sort of an emulator uh, yeah, per it's, se. A, it's like a shim I, I like to use the word shim when we talk about software that runs other software it's a it's sort of the piece in between that makes it possible to do one thing on another thing yes yeah so it allows you to run exes msis to do uh you know installers and, and everything else and generally uh you know in uh in, in some cases if your software is not too sophisticated it uh it runs beautifully uh, you know, minus a few little hiccups with the the video graphics and stuff like that. But uh, we know this has become more of a serious business, and we've been talking about it probably for, geez, probably the last couple of years, ever since Steam started doing Proton and uh, and really hammering the uh, Windows compatibility layer for that kind of stuff and always kind of thinking about how Proton impacts uh, Windows applications. And, you know, possibly how that impact a Windows application that is specifically for ham radio, because uh, that's all we care about here, right, is ham radio. We don't play video games all day. No. <laughs> that's just, that's, that just uh-huh. doesn't happen. No, of uh-huh. course not. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, yeah, we only want to run, like, you know, ham radio deluxe or uh, <laughs> or N1MM. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um so all that was available to us previously was uh, wine natively. And uh, one of my alternatives I listed here in the show notes, which you'll be able to find too, is, uh, of course, the uh, uh, wine tricks, which you can find in um, Debian repos and uh, uh, just about everywhere nowadays. So it's an AUR and stuff like that, which allows you to also uh, modify your wine prefix. Um, and uh, when we're talking about staging your wine prefix and wine configuration. So when you set up wine, 
I guess we should probably talk a little bit of generic information about wine in general, because uh, that would be generic. <laughs> uh, wine is not an emulator. So Windows, it's a Windows emulator for, for Linux, basically, if we were to call it that. So it's just a shim that sits in beside between the Linux kernel and Linux um, uh, enumerated devices and allows you to enumerate devices inside of a fake Windows layer on your computer. So you do have to map things like COM layer and stuff like that. If you want COM devices, uh, some stuff is a direct pass-through. Most of your PCI devices will be passed through and stuff like that. Um, I've never really messed with high-end graphics devices, so I'm not sure exactly how that works. But, you know, you can read the facts and stuff like that for that, for, for your specific need beyond the generic stuff. Um, but Wine Tricks uh, was a cool little app that allowed you to kind of kind of pre-configure your wine environment to you know have things like oh I want .NET 4.8 installed you know I need the 4.8 DLLs and stuff like that so this would allow you to kind of go in and prefab your wine environment with missing DLLs quite easily. Um, through a UI, it was really hard to do it straight through Wine because you'd have to kind of, oh, well, it didn't install. Let me go out and I'll get the the installer and then try to run the installer. And then you're like, oh, no, I should need, I needed Mono and Gecko. And then I needed some, 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 you know, fonts and stuff like that. So Wine Tricks sort of made a lot of that stuff easier. And uh, so that used to be the, the, the original kind of way to play and stuff like that. And, of course, Crossover Linux was the other option. Which kind of did the same thing. It kind of containerized your wine and wine tricks kind of stuff all into individual instances, which they called bottles. And uh, this application is called Bottles by Itself, which basically is that same kind of thought of it's kind of like the wine and the wine configuration in each bottle. So you're basically creating a virtual environment like or a virtual machine, but I don't want to call it a virtual machine, but it, in theory, it kind of sort of is. It's a VM that contains the wine instance and the configuration, like I'm Windows 10 32-bit, I'm Windows 10 64-bit, or I'm Windows 10 64-bit with uh, .NET 4.8 and .NET uh, you know, 3.51 for desktop, you know, core uh, .NET and stuff like that. Some of the missing DLLs and stuff like that that you need for your environment all kind of wrapped up into that little VM that then you would uh, go and install your application that you want to install, whether that be like, you know, I don't know, Fortnite or, you know, Minecraft or something like that. Of course, you know, you can install Minecraft natively, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter or, or Java-wise. But so Bottles here is kind of like that, that same abstraction um, all pulled out by itself. And... Um, let me tell you a little bit about how to get it, um, because uh, I I first uh, I, I installed the uh, Manjaro because <laughs> I'm an Arch guy, right? <laughs> so I installed a Manjaro VM here at the house or the apartment in in Ireland, and uh, and let me just keep up with the chat messages. <laughs> we're we're talking about flat packs, which suck. Yeah, flat packs suck. Okay, anyway. <laughs> 
But you're going to tell us all about flat packs because that's their recommended yes. installation don't, technique. So. Don't install it from flat pack. No, I did not install it from flat pack. So I installed Manjaro and I installed the uh, the actual uh, package uh, AUR package for uh, bottles because I always trust you know human written written packages. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, I installed the AUR package. I did not install the flat pack. Um, I don't think it's going to matter in this case. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, I saw the AUR package. And I have to say, like, um, Manjaro, uh, I downloaded the Manjaro GNOME edition um, for a VM. And that thing runs so snappy in the VM, it's almost sick. I'm, uh, I'm almost embarrassed that I might have to change my Guru to Linux install. <laughs> When I get back home, because uh, it runs so fast, and I don't know if it's just my laptop runs fast or not. But anyway, so I installed that. So I had that as my base, and then I installed Bottles, so I can get a nice clean install of Bottles. So I, I do have it up here, literally right now as I'm as I'm talking to you. And um, so once you install Bottles, um, you're basically presented with an interface of adding your very first bottle. And uh, it's it's very similar to Code Weavers. It's almost like creepy similar to Code Weavers. <laughs> I almost wonder, you know, chicken and egg type deal here. Um, but yeah, so you come in, you actually add a new bottle. Uh, in inside of bottles, you're given an, because it's particularly catering to gamers. Um, they do have an option here. So like when you actually add a bottle whether your bottle is specifically for gaming or for an application, or if you want to customize it. Now, if you don't know anything about doing wine completely, I would definitely steer away from customizing completely um, and stick with either application or gaming. It's not to, not to say you're going to have success one way or the other, because generally with wine, it's uh, it's still a hit and miss if you're not, and using an application that's inside of the uh, the wine database of accepted applications that tell you that, hey, this runs great, this runs not so great, or this runs, you know, this is a platinum application. It runs just spectacularly. You can't even tell you're not inside of Windows. So you do get an option there to um, to add the, what kind of application you're adding, uh, and you choose the name. I'm just going to go ahead and do one right now as a test test application, just so I can see all the stuff here for you. Um, it's going to go ahead and create the bottle. So we're going to do an application with an, uh, a fakey name. And it's like, uh, it says, go take, go make a sandwich because it's going to take a while. No, I'm just kidding. It says, take a break. It might take a while. Uh, generating bottle configuration. The wine config is being updated. The wine config is now updated, setting Windows version. And generally, it sets a Windows 64-bit as your version because, uh, as we all know, Windows 32-bit is being phased out anyway, as all 32-bit OSs are being phased out. <laughs> and it installs a bunch of other stuff to help the application, just some basic stuff, which includes the Vulkan drivers and everything else, just to make it play nicely with the rendering and whatnot, as well as installing all the fonts that you would typically see in windows, including like Arial times new Roman and courier. I'm surprised it doesn't install Segway or whatever, which is actually the UI font. Ego. Ego or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it takes a few seconds, you know, I'm in a VM. So it took, I mean, it literally just finished right now. It says bottle created at that point. Uh, you can go into your bottle and you get the bottle details. 
And you're presented with a, um, uh, I guess we'd call it a sort of tabbed interface with the tabbed uh, tab stuff being on your left. Uh, the first one being the uh, details and utilities, which basically has your uh, has your uh, name of your uh, bottle and some utilities that you could possibly use, like wine config. If you want to go in and hard edit your wine config, browsing the C drive of your Windows bottle. Uh, command line, if you want to go in there, registry editor, debug, task manager, which you will use task manager quite often if you uh, have problems with your application. Uh, uninstaller, which it can actually be used as the installer for your application. So if you click that, it actually brings up something very familiar that you see uh, in the add remove programs inside of your uh, the older control panel of Windows 10. If you can still see the classic control panel, it's not the... Uh, the programs settings or apps and programs. What is it called? Apps and programs, apps and features. (laughs) So inside of windows 10, you have an apps and features thing that has taken over what the original control panel had as your add and remove programs. But here you can actually add and remove uh, programs, including install applications that are you've downloaded inside of windows. Uh, You have the control panel as well which you can see uh, just some basic stuff, including the add, remove, uh, add, remove programs. Uh, and in here I see game controllers and internet settings. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's for the archaic uh, um, the internet explorer settings that you know, used to see in the control panel. So all that's, you're going to see in your d- details and utilities inside of the preferences. You'll have some of the more advanced stuff like, uh, the use DXVK, which of course is your DirectX 11 gaming and 3d application stuff. You have your VK D3D, uh, which of course is your Vulkan direct 3d performance stuff. That's going to be for your DirectX 12 games. Again, won't really help you too much with the desktop applications, but it is enabled in those two applications or, you know, at least in the application configuration. Uh, a couple other things. If you have the uh, NVIDIA graphics card, you'll see the uh, ability to enable the uh, Vulkan for NVIDIA API. Um, some other stuff in here for fancy uh, graphic stuff. Enable FSR for cutting edge upscaling. Should you have a high DPI uh, uh, desktop ACO shader compiler, in case you're doing some fancy gaming, discrete GPU, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. If you want to use a virtual desktop, meaning you want to use uh, the bottle to pretend like it's inside of a windowed environment of a different resolution than that of your uh, of your computer, and this stuff can get a little bit thick if you start to uh, really get into the details of uh, emulation. Um, and I wouldn't really mess with anything unless you are experiencing issues. So at this point, so, I mean, you can pretty much leave everything as default. Um, Some of the cool stuff, though, is on this page as we get down into it. I'm just going to maximize mine so I can scroll through it properly. You have mouse caption on full screen. Nobody cares about that. Shouldn't be a big deal unless your game is wigging out. But the nice part, if you get down to the system level inside of the preferences, you do have the ability to change the runner. And I think that's what makes... uh, this particular use of wine and, and establishing wine configuration kind of interesting is the fact that you can actually change the runner here. And in my particular instance, I have the, the ability to switch to cafe uh, 7.2 or syswine 7.1. 
Um, but I believe you could also download uh, a bunch of experimental ones, <laughs> including using uh, 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 things like Lutris. So most uh, Linux gamers are used to using Lutris and stuff like that, uh, as well as Proton. You can bring in Proton uh, uh, version 7.2, 7.1, and so on and so forth. Uh, you can actually click to download those directly in your preferences. So that's kind of cool that you can try different runners for your virtual environment. Uh, as well as you go down, you have the ability to change your your Vulkan drivers, your DX Vulkan drivers, your Direct3D Vulkan drivers, um, NVIDIA-specific drivers. Windows version, you can change it to uh, you know Windows 10, Windows 8.1. Oh, my God, don't do it. Windows 8, don't do it. <laughs> Windows 7. Uh, and then, of course, if you wanted to get into Windows 2008 R2, Windows 2008 server versions, you could go ahead and you know go off that cliff. And Windows XP is another option. And then if you're doing any overrides, which these overrides actually exist inside of the wine tricks. If you do, uh, if you do that emulator, um, you could do some DLL overrides there as well. And you may have, if you've played around with it over the years, you may have seen a few, few instances where you've installed an app that needs a specific DLL override. Uh, it's not very common, but it's common enough that I've heard of it before. Uh, and a bunch of other little random things, bottles, runtime, use game mode, use game scope, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, whether you want to HUD and stuff like that directly from the, um, the bottle. Uh, let's go on to the dependencies. Dependencies is interesting because this is uh, very similar to wine tricks where you go and install a DLL set. Like if you needed the, uh, um, .NET 4.7.2 or 4.8 or something like that, or if you need some direct 3d drivers, um, or, you know, VC, uh, you know, visual Microsoft visual C plus plus, uh, runtime libraries, redistributable runtime libraries. A lot of games need that and stuff like that. That's where you're going to find that in this particular thing. Uh, the, the only part about uh, this part and the application that I find kind of non-intuitive is the fact that they use a little diskette for the download install the dependency. Uh, it kind of feels like a save button to me. So it was not intuitive the first time I kind of looked at it. Um, I guess uh, from a user experience point of view, this would lose some points uh, for doing that. <laughs> yeah, you're causing, you're causing chop. Huh? Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> no problem. That's why we record both sides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so you can pick out your dependencies if you happen to know them. Now, the thing that I, I noticed on bottles that uh, at least code weavers used to take care of, like if you installed an application and it's manifest, uh, you know, the MSI actually had uh, the dependency information in it. It would go ahead and install everything automatically for you. In my particular test scenario, I was using an EXE installer only because Microsoft sort of broke MSI installers for people distributing MSIs, <laughs> distributing installers from applications that are not directly from Microsoft. So um, at least that's been my experience. I, I haven't been able to make a, an, an installer from Visual Studio either without any major success. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm sure everybody's using a third-party installer software for their stuff, which kind of breaks being able to use MSIs to... Um, 
properly set up the uh, the installation of an, a piece of software with all its requirements. And that's really the point of the MSI was to uh, establish the dependencies, much like a dev package. Think of an MSI just like a dev package. A dev package says, you need to have XYZ installed before I can even install this software. An MSI does exactly the same thing. But if you have like an EXE installer, you can pretty much guarantee that it's not going to prompt you for anything specific. Um, and in general, you know, it's bad to have an EXE installer <laughs> in Windows because they can do all kinds of other stuff to your system at the same time. <clears throat> but anyway, dependencies, that's where you're going to find all that really cool stuff. Uh, programs uh, is another tab, and that's basically any programs that are found during your installation. So basically any programs that you add as an installed application should show up in programs so you can quickly hit, you know, basically run uh, here. Uh, versioning tab. This is a cool feature of bottles too, is the versioning because you can try out certain things before you, um, well, think of it kind of like, um, you know, a backed up file system or uh ZFS or something like that, where it maintains the state of the file system prior to you making a change. So you can actually create a version. It's like, okay, I'm going to try this this change. I'm going to put this package on here and see if it explodes or not when I uh, when I do this. And then if that package didn't work, you could just back up to the previous version and have your application in the state it was prior to making that addition. So that's kind of a cool feature uh, is versioning. Uh, installers is another option or another tab here on the interface. And uh, here's where you'll find some of the pre-configured installers that people have done in the community. So this is a nice part, even with the dependencies and the installers. These are all community-driven um, configuration scripts that basically are set up for bottles that allow you to... Uh, you know, pre-launch some stuff like uh, inside the installers here, we see Blizzard Battle.net, uh, Battle uh, EA Launcher, Epic Game Store, uh, GOG Galaxy, GOG Galaxy version one, uh, Origin, Steam, and Ubisoft Connect. So, I mean, gamers should be very familiar with that stuff. <laughs> and as well, there's a task manager, um, and the task manager is very useful if you have a broken application like the ones I tested uh, with this, and I had to kill the applications multiple times. Uh, inside the task manager, you basically get a very similar thing you would see for any task manager. And at the top, you'll have a refresh and a kill button. And what's the other button? Notifications. Nobody cares about the notifications. So you have a notifications button as well. Um so uh, that's basically the application itself. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's virtually it's just wine. I mean, in theory, it's just wine with a bunch of uh, stuff strapped onto the front and back to make the configuration a little bit easier for you to do as a user. Um, and I, I do have to tell you, I tried uh, I tried installing some stuff, and I didn't have much success. <laughs> so don't be surprised if you. Uh, don't have much success either, um, but let me uh, let me just go ahead and go through some more of their FAQ before I go on to um, my experience with it. Um, so here they have why not just uh, POL or Lutris? So if you don't know what POL is, is it's play on Linux. It's another kind of prefab 
uh, environment for doing certain things on Linux, you know, in a, in a pre-configured way. And Lutris, of course, is exactly the same thing. It's just, it's kind of like, it's pre-configured. I want to be able to run, um, you know, Starfighter 3 or whatever, you know, some stupid game. Uh, it, Lutris has configurations that allow you to kind of go ahead and do that uh, if if someone has got it to work before. <laughs> You know, it is a community sourced um, a project that allows you to do that stuff. But yeah, so here we go. Why not just play on Linux or Lutris? Because they are similar but different applications, I want to create environments that contain more applications and games where the Wine version can be updated. Also, I want to be able to export my bottles, allowing easy sharing with or without applications. In P Play on Linux and Lutris, we have the concept of this with the this version of wine and these changes it works in bottles the concept is this is my wine bottle and i want to install this software the goal with this version is also to integrate the system in the best possible way being able to decide in a few bottles to run an exe and msi file to have the control over it without having to open <clears throat> bottles for each operation bottles is close to what Wine prefix means since version 0.2, it provides simplified method to generate environment-based bottles. And thanks to other tools, it simplifies the management, uh, but nothing more. So essentially what he wants is, or what the author is trying to tell us is that he wants a bottle to be able to contain more than just a single application, but be able to contain the configuration that, that allows you to run multiple applications within the same configuration so it simplifies your setup and it also makes it more portable because this uh, bottles allows you to import and export your configuration, uh, which should in theory make it easier for working applications to succeed within the environment in which you set up and export. So um, it does make it kind of cool. And I'm trying to remember, I, I have, I have um, collaborate or code weavers on here as well. And I'm trying to remember if it, Calabra. What is it called again? Uh, Code Weavers. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Code Weavers. What's the What's the Code Weavers thing called again? Oh, um. You talking about the OS? Yeah. Or the crossover? Sorry. Crossover. That's what. I was, that's what I was talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> My brain just froze for a second. Sorry. Gonna <laughs> cut back on all that alcohol over there. I know yeah, Ireland is tempting, but. Oh my God, crossover! So yeah, crossover. I'm trying to remember if it can do an import and export. Uh, and uh, so yeah, you can import and export a bottle archive inside a crossover. So very similar uh, to how crossover works. I was thinking it was very similar. Um, but if you were to look at the two interfaces uh, side by side, which uh, for those of you in the chat room, I can definitely uh, do that uh, so you can see what both look like. Ignore my numlock off and the red line I just drew upon the screen because I'm so bad at, uh, oh, nope, control V, not V. There you go. So you can see what it looks like. <laughs> So crossover has uh, the applications and which application is being run under which bottle underneath of it. And then the uh, bottles application, you actually just see the bottles first. So you go into the bottle to launch your application, but you have to select the bottle first. So it's a little, little different uh, usage of the application. 
And uh, for those of you listening on Memorex, you can always uh, check in on the live uh, chat channel for the uh, screenshots later on. Just scroll back up to uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon in the U.S. Uh, for uh, for those time slots where we actually record this. Um, so yeah, you can see the the application is slightly different from the launcher aspect of it. And uh, as most of you that are watching live can now see that I've I've tried to play around with N1MM, my favorite Windows application for ham radio, and that's the only reason why we talk about Windows unless we're just. <laughs> talking about windows for fun <laughs> at least from my my perspective in windows and ham radio um yeah so there's a there's a slight difference in the way they they look and feel in general they're very similar in which they try to accomplish the same thing so i'm going to highlight here from the faq again the features and uh and then and then just then i'll go into my experience so yeah the main features of bottles <coughs> Is it's a powerful integrated and written from scratch dependency manager based on community driven and easy to expand repository. Lots of words, fancy words, right? Dependency manager, community driven, sounds all fancy and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a crowdsourced way of sharing your configurations and everything else for setting up blind configs and an environment to successfully run an application. And in theory, that's all we care about in Linux is it's like I need application X to run marvelously inside of Linux and it only comes in windows, but you know, they don't make a Linux version. So how can I run it? So this is a great resource for doing that. Um, version control. Version control is easy to restore a bottle to state. Goodbye disasters is what they say. Version control. Yeah. Like, like I said, the version control is, is kind of a, as a power feature, uh, especially when you're in the experimental phase of trying to get an application to work. Um, you know, do you need this driver? Do you need this set of .NET stuff? Do you need uh, maybe an F audio? Do you need do you need you know something installed besides just the application to get it running? Yeah, version control can be very powerful within the debugging phase of getting your application to run. Uh, management based on pre-configured environments ready for gaming or software with the most common dependencies pre-installed in ad hoc configuration to immediately run a lot of software, or you can can also configure your environment from scratch. So this is uh, getting into those. Um, uh, so let me go back in here really quick. Yeah. So this gets into those installers, you know, you know, EA launcher, your Epic game store, your GOG galaxy origin, your steam launcher, your Ubisoft connect, that stuff's kind of already pre-baked in there. So you can get you started and running really quick. Um, again, going to the uh, repo, you can probably find some other things that people have committed uh, and find out, uh, you know, how to get something running that maybe isn't totally mainstream that somebody else has kind of played with. So that's kind of cool. Full sandbox via, uh, full sandbox via flat pack. I did not install via flat pack. Uh, so I, I'm not running that. So I can't, can exclaim to that, but uh, they, you understand how Flatpak runs. We had a whole show on virtualized environments and how they sandbox pretty much the entire OS, so you don't mutate the OS outside of your package. <laughs> you know, um, it's a it's a safety thing too. You know, it's it's clean, so you don't uh, uh, you don't uh, impact any major system things with uh, playing around with the applications. So yeah, if you want to use a flat pack, use a flat pack. Uh, easy configure and or full backup export import also cloning. So uh, yeah, we talked about the import and export. 
kind of a powerful feature. Automatically detect installed programs. No need to manually add to the program list. Um, my experience with the N1MM is, yeah, your mileage may vary depending upon how you actually decided to install it. So uh, don't expect that to always be the case. <clears throat> Sometimes you might actually have to restart the container or the bottle to uh, to uh, to notice those changes. Uh, 360 degree customizing customization of the whole environment without having to go through wine config. Um, yeah, if, if you've only ever done wine config through uh, wine tricks, then this seems absolutely no different to you <laughs> because, uh, it's sort of exposed in a more cleaner interface. Um, if you've done wine config via the actual dot config file inside of your dot wine directory, which is very painful to do it manually. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll really appreciate this. A fully integrated installers manager also based on a community-driven repository. Yeah, again, uh, having those pre-built uh, setups is really good for gamers. Uh, and much, much more. Try bottles to discover all the features we have designed to make it easier for you to run Windows software on Linux. And then I put in here at, as the end, which is kind of what my experience was with it. Will this work for N1MM Plus? Which uh, in the past, I actually have had success running N1MM Plus <clears throat> inside of a uh, inside of code weavers for sure i uh, i've definitely run it inside of code weavers um uh yeah <clears throat> a crossover linux sorry <laughs> i keep failing on that one i want to say co linux and i know that was something else uh <laughs> that's what happens when you've been playing around with windows and linux for too long you run into stuff that sounds exactly the same that's why we thought about bottles being exactly the same because <laughs> it sounds just like something else like could weavers and it anyway, kind of so, kind of acts like it too <laughs> yeah it very similar very similar and um uh so i'll give you the i'll give you the uh the uh short answer or the uh <laughs> yeah it doesn't work um Actually, it didn't work in crossover either for the latest version of N1MM Plus, but I haven't played with it in a long time because <laughs> I haven't really, I really haven't haven't contested uh, using N1MM Plus in a while. Although I I really like it as a contest software. Um, uh, yeah, I had very little success, and uh, for those of you that saw the screenshot, you can see that there are. I don't know, three bottles with M and MM actually tied to it inside of my bottles installation. And there's two bottles uh, set up inside of my crossover Linux installation for code weavers. And uh, they both experience exactly the same issues, which tells me that I'm missing something in both of them, which means that both of them possibly could work <laughs> if I actually, <laughs> if I actually could figure out what was missing. Uh, but because both of them install the full installer without an issue and both of them update the updater without issue. Although I will have to say that the uh, Code Weavers crossover Linux does prompt up the uh, the changelog file inside of Notepad or inside a text editor uh, where the bottles installation does not do that. And that is definitely a, uh, a function issue inside of bottles. Bottles is not allowing the application to spawn up a text editor to allow you to see the release notes. So that's an issue inside of Bottles uh, that, that is not inside of Code Weavers. 
but it did not define success in the case of getting N1MM to actually run in either of them. Now, yeah, it could be because I'm in a virtual environment, but in general, that that generally hasn't been an issue in uh, in getting this stuff to work because I normally do all my tests inside of a <laughs> virtual environment uh, before I uh, commit it to doing live disk stuff because I just don't like wasting time. Uh, so, yeah, so I think I still have a little bit of ways to go with uh, playing with that for uh, getting that to work. If if I wanted to con- continue on that trip, um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that, but um, but yeah, I, I did. I did go through the exercise of trying it out. And as the screenshot shows, I I actually did. <laughs> this is real stuff, man. We really we really try this stuff out, and uh, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, so right now I'd say it's a, it's a no-go for either one, which means it's a no-go straight for wine and stuff like that. But, like, again, we just went through this wine change, so we're just into version 7, 7.1 of wine. Uh, so there's changes there that have taken place. Um, I'm not sure specifically which .NET libraries I need. I did install 4.8 on both, so they'd have the latest... Uh, .NET standard library because I'm pretty certain that uh, N1MM is using .NET standard is it's a WinForms application so it shouldn't be using anything like that. The errors I was seeing was related to audio, which I would assume is part of the audio recording stuff that's built into the application, and I wasn't quite sure where it would be seeing that whether that'd be a a direct 3D or something like that for uh, direct windows or direct sound um, setup, um, and I didn't I didn't go into looking at that, so I, I do apologize for not digging into that further. Um, but if I do if I do find out, then I will definitely pass that on in notes. But overall, I think um, experience wise, uh, bottles provides a really good experience with. Uh, with kind of having everything integrated into one space. I like the way it does it as opposed to the way Code Weavers does it. Um, I mean, of course, Code Weavers does cost you, what, $59, I think, for a license, which is not bad. I mean, really, for what it does, it it, it does it quite well. I mean, this is uh, – bottles, of course, free. <laughs> <laughs> for now until <laughs> they need until you have to buy support or something like that <laughs> um but yeah i really like the way it configured it was pretty straightforward you can you know containerize your stuff very similarly just kind of set them like a you know a virtual box or something like that you kind of just say yeah i want windows 10 i want it to be 64 bit um i'm concerned about video games or I'm concerned about applications. So it's really kind of a directed configuration, which is nice for the user experience of kind of setting up those, um, those kind of containers, whether or not it'll work for your application is a whole nother, whole nother game. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was interesting enough that I, I thought we could make a show about it. So that's why it's the topic tonight. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. So I guess now it's like, I do you have any questions, Russ? Like, or did you play with it? You de- you decided to play with it a little bit, didn't you? I tried to play with it. I did not have much success. I was going at it from the flat pack route, but I'm not sitting in front of a native. Yeah, that. Wow. Does that ring on your end? Yeah. 
Jeez. Okay. Enough That's of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was doing it from the flat pack, you know, because I had a machine here that I could run it on, but I'm not native to it right now. So I was trying to get everything installed via the flat packs, which I did. I like did the Spotify bottle, got that installed, but then I couldn't forward it across so I could actually see the output. Kept getting display errors. So apparently it's working, but I'd have to go on the my shack PC the, the to actually itself, see it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean the the way to get it installed and the way uh, even with the flat packs, I don't like flat packs, but at least they d- it does make the installation pretty simple, straightforward. And uh, I assume that if I actually walked over to my other computer here and started it up, it would work. But um, I don't know. It's it's just it's another interesting. Not emulator technology, I guess. That's what we're calling all these. <laughs> That's what they call it, right? <laughs> Obviously, some of this code was was borrowed from the Wine Project. I think all this stuff sort of came out of that, and they're just trying to do things to make it easier to manage and make it better. But you still have all of those dependency issues because there's all those DLLs and everything that come with the Windows installers, and sometimes they don't get installed properly or get referenced properly. And that's why things like N1MM don't necessarily work, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It'll keep getting better as time goes on. I'm sure. Yeah. And I get that. I mean, that's, it's very, it's very similar to doing it from scratch, except for this actually provides a user experience that allows some of that stuff to be easier to see. And I don't, I don't know if you've tried, have you tried wine tricks in the past? I have when I've been using wine, I have used wine tricks. Yes, that does tend to simplify things and make things work better, but it's it's still kind of hit or miss. Yeah, because like when you go into wine tricks, you have to kind of first you launch wine tricks, and then you have to select which configuration you're using, and hopefully it's a default one because I've never never tried it with multiple configurations. <laughs> and then you have to go next and next, and then there's like a. There's kind of like a a weird hierarchy of getting things in there for uh, pulling the installers. I mean, it does work once you get used to using it. I can't remember <laughs> the actual steps, but I remember it's like there's like an extra weird step that's in the middle middle there to get to the 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 DLL installers for uh, for doing like fonts and 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 .NET uh, configurations and stuff like that. And there was also something weird about the the confirmations of those. And whether or not those would work, you were exposed to the the console level of that stuff, so it'd show you like as W getting the file and whether it needed a EULA or something like that uh, tagged at the at the response. So you had to be really paying it quite a bit of attention uh, when you're using Wine Tricks. And I noticed that with this going into the dependencies, I wasn't prompted for anything, um, which may or may not be valid in licensing terms to, you know, hitting those EULAs as, yes, I accept the terms of the .NET license or I accept the terms of so and so forth. So, I mean, you know, there might be some questions there in general terms of uh, of uh, validity, <laughs> but at least from the user experience side, it's, it's way easier uh, in doing those things. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so that's kind of where I ended it. I I kind of played. I got three different configurations and and kind of was just going around in circles with both systems, and uh, it didn't get didn't get 
any of them to, well, they, they ran the application. I, I did take that back. Both of them actually ran the application with some random errors occurring uh, with regards to audio. And then in one case, it, uh, it was bombing out on a uh, structure type. And I think that was related to it being uh, either a 64-bit or a 32-bit um, OS. So, yeah, quite a bit of issues there with uh, N1MM. Uh, in general, but again, this is Windows software. It's not meant to be run on Linux. So, uh, you know, if it runs at all, it's great. <laughs> if it doesn't, then <laughs> it's expected. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's bottles in a nutshell. If you've been using wine and uh, wine tricks in the past, I think you will appreciate this application uh, as a kind of your front end to all of that mess that is running wine and uh, wine wine tricks together. Um, if you've been running something like Code Weavers and you've you've dropped the fifty nine dollars to uh, to get a license for that, I don't think you would change that because I think that's a lifetime license. So no worries there. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an option. It definitely has a better user experience than using wine and wine tricks by itself. And uh, I appreciate these kind of hobby projects that uh, help help kind of make the experience better for for users to get involved in playing in the same area. And uh, we've talked about using wine for, for, for N1MM and other things in the past. So uh, it always piques our interest uh, every time, it, at least it comes across my desk, and, and I see that in my news feed. So uh, definitely thought it was uh, worthy to pass along to everybody else in this deep dive because <laughs> it's something you could play with, uh, with uh, the many applications that are Windows only out there, you know, CWGET, uh, MTTY, you know, numerous applications that uh, hams use every day um, that could be run in Linux that just aren't available in Linux. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's bottles in a nutshell. Bottles in a bottle. A bottles in a bottle. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm going to play around with it some more. I'm, I'm going to actually have to get a machine here running a, an Arch distribution so I can actually try stuff from AUR because I, I don't actually have any of those right now. And the more I hear about the way it works, you know, using Pac-Man and, and all that stuff and, and how Manjaro and some of the other distributions make using Arch a little more palatable to someone who's coming into it from the outside, like I would be. Not not that I haven't used Arch before, but it's been a while. So I could tell you, I could tell you right now, like on both Garuda and Manjaro, I have never used the command line to install a package. Well, interesting. I'm not sure that's a... Never. <laughs> I don't know if that's a feature or not, but I guess maybe. It's uh, just interesting. It's an interesting paradigm for as weird as Arch used to be to get installed. You know, it's kind of an uncomfortable topic in, a, you know, almost Linux from scratch and Gen 2 days to Arch that was very similar <laughs> <laughs> to where it is now and it's like yeah i mean out of all the uh out of the all the distributions out there this is the only one well besides the bsd one i tried installing stuff uh, from the <laughs> i install it all from the ad remove programs area you know the software manager so uh yeah it's quite interesting all right pretty cool well it's definitely a project i'm going to keep looking at and we hope this has been uh, interesting enough to get people motivated to try it or something 
and we'll see how it develops and might make running Windows software without using a full virtualization environment like, you know, VMware or whatever, uh, or VirtualBox easier to, to sort of just do instance-based like sandbox applications rather than having to have whole big environments. So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Very good. Well, we do have one bit of feedback that we're going to get to here before we roll on out. So let me go ahead and read this one. This came from Dan, KB6NU. So follow up to our discussion we had a couple of episodes back about the ARRL grant program that's coming up that he was the one who actually gave us the press release on. So apparently we messed something up. <laughs> Big shocker there. But uh, well, no, I think we read the story from the ARRL, and I think you made a comment at the end after that in regards to this, which kind of conflated it, but that's okay. Well, I wasn't <laughs> conflating it, I was just wondering if they had anything to do with each other, I right? Think. Yeah, you were putting one and one together, and they didn't actually go together. to each other, right? Yes, yeah, and that's what Don Dan is explaining here. So, go ahead. So he says, hi, guys. In LHS episode 452, you included a story on the ARRL grants to amateur radio organizations, and there seemed to be some confusion as to whether this was the previously announced program that ARDC is funding. The answer to that is no. These grants are the vestiges of the old grant program and are not being funded by ARDC. The ARRL news story said as much. These are quite different from the programs that will be funded with ARDC money. For example... Under eligibility and guidelines, the webpage describes the grant program notes. Grant requests for emergency communications equipment facilities or projects will not be considered. Grant applications for those projects will be allowed under the ARDC-funded program. Awarded grants generally do not exceed $3,000. The ARDC-funded program will award grants up to $25,000. There are other differences as well. The ARDC-funded program won't actually get started for a few more months. As the ARRL is wont to do, they threw a wrench into their own works when the board ousted the ARRL Foundation president at their January board meeting and elected a new president. K5RAV, the previous president, was looking to get the program up and running by the end of March, but I bet it will take them or the new guy longer, if only because he has to get his feet on the ground first. ARRL politics, don't you just love it? Seven three Dan KB six NU. So yeah, politics gets in the way of everything. Well, I can tell you a nonprofit group that doesn't do politics at all, and that's the K two BSA. <laughs> uh, you just so Dan, me you and you can't need to go talk an episode and, without. Yeah, I have to mention it. Don't I? <laughs> and we're looking at uh, Jamboree National Jamboree twenty twenty three coming up next year. So uh, so yeah, I, I might need some help in uh, in actually. Uh, uh, getting some additional funding for that project to uh, make it even more successful than it has been in the past. And we have years and years of success out of it. So <laughs> uh, I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely be uh, calling you, Dan. <laughs> so expect, expect to hear from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. That actually brings us down to the end of the show. So we hope you enjoyed listening. Hope there's a little bit of interesting information in here. And uh, maybe a little bit of a good time, too, while you're spending time doing whatever it is you're doing while you listen to podcasts. We appreciate everybody listening, and we certainly appreciate all the folks who are with us in the live chat. We had Bill, N3AJ, Tony, K4XSS, Steve K7HVT, 
And we had KC5CNT as well. I don't have his name handy. Um, but thanks, everybody, for being here, for listening to the show. And we hope you have a great week until the next one comes around. And we'll talk to you again then. This has been episode number 454 of Linux in the Hamshack. And for the on assignment, Cheryl W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.